Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Father, we thank you that you are so awesome. And God, we ask God right now that you would touch our hearts. We didn't come in here to waste your time. And God, we know that you haven't come to waste ours. And God, we ask you right now just to move in our hearts. We ask right now that you would change us from the inside out, that this would not just be a message, but God, this would be a revelation to us. This would be an experience that would change our hearts forever. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen in the house. High five two people around you and say final 16. Come on, we're going all the way. LSU, LSU. LSU. Sweet 16. We're in there. We're going all the way. Going all the way. Wow, this is Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. We're talking today about God's grace. We're going to talk about the gospel message today. And I pray that you have come ready to learn because the best way I believe we can pastor you. If you want to know the best way that we can lead you, pastor you, counsel you, help you in your life, your finances, in your family, just in every area of your life, the best way we can counsel you is for you to be here, your family to be here. That's the best way we can pastor you. In fact, a lot of the people who come in our office with problems, the problem is they're not in church. It's the fact that they're not in church. How many people are having problems in their marriage? They're not coming to the marriage small group. I don't understand it. You've got to invest into what you need. You've got to sow into the ground that you need a harvest to come. So I just want to challenge you. Be here every week so we can pastor you, so we can lead you, because our responsibility is this. We want to navigate you through the seasons of your life. And that's why we need to know the truth of God's word. And that's why once a year we do a book study. And what we do is we teach a particular book out of the Bible so we can discover straight from God's word the truth. Now that doesn't mean every week we don't preach from the word of God because we do. When we take a subject or a topic, we teach from God's word. But a book, and when we go through chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse, it's a powerful help, I believe, for us to truly see God's word with a greater clarity and understand what it presents and it offers to our lives. So the book of Galatians, Paul writes in A.D. after the death of Christ, 55, 56, around at that time. He doesn't write to a particular church, but a group of churches in an area called Galatia, which we would call modern day Turkey today. And the reason he writes is twofold. First, to correct wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine had been brought in. He came and taught the gospel of grace, the cross of Christ. But some Judaizers, Jews from Jerusalem, had come in and they had taught that the cross wasn't enough. So not only did they need the cross, but they also needed the law. And a particular law that they brought in was the law of circumcision, not a great church growth method. But that's what they tried to say. You need to be circumcised. 
But then Paul's second reason for writing to them was to expose the wrong doctrine, but to teach once again the way of salvation, the truth, the gospel message. Say with me the gospel message. And our theme verse for Galatians is Galatians 5 verse 1. We see everything in this verse. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Personalize that. It is for freedom. Christ has set me free. And so stand firm in that. I need to stand firm and do not let myself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's an outline, really, of what Paul is talking about. Because firstly, there's freedom in Christ. We talked about that week one. We can eat from the wrong tree. We're eating from the tree of knowledge, what we think, rules, regulations, what I do, instead of eating from the tree of life, the gospel message, that it's not what I can do, because what I do is never enough, but it's what He has already done and accomplished for me. And I don't do it because I have to. I now do it because I get to. I have the privilege to be able to do that. And I believe if you feel that your relationship with God is a chore, that's because you're following the wrong gospel. You're eating from the wrong tree. Because if you feel that, oh man, it's drudgery to read your Bible, you're not in a relationship with God because you should be excited about those things. And then we see, I I don't want to go back. That's what we talked about last week. How do I stop from going back, as Galatians 5 says, into that slavery? When God has set me free, I've got to stand firm, but yet I find myself going back. We discussed the answer is a crucified life. Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I'm living, breathing, I'm in the flesh. The life that I live, I now live differently. I live now by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what have we got to do? We've got to crucify self. We've got to crucify the flesh. We've got to crucify the world. We've got to lose it to, to find it. Come on, who was with me last week? Come on now. You've got to lose it to find it. In losing it and laying down, you find the truth of God's word. So the gospel is deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. A lot of people just want to follow him. They don't want to deny self. They don't want to die to self. But we don't want to go back. Come on, Tarzan, we don't want to go back. Oh, oh, oh. Swinging from tree to tree. We want to stay in the tree of life. So in chapter 3, are you ready? Let's take a look at chapter 3 and verse 1 today. The gospel of grace. God's grace today. Verse 1, he begins by saying these words, Oh foolish Galatians. In other words, really what he's saying is this. Hey stupid. And I'm glad he starts like that because we've got to be honest, there's some stupid in every one of us. And God is trying to work with that and to deal with that. So really he's saying, hey guys, don't be silly. Look what's happening. He says, who has cast an evil spell on you? The New King James Version says, who has bewitched you? Actually, a better translation of that word there instead of an evil spell would be the thought of an evil eye. Who has cast an evil eye upon you? I remember as a kid in church, there was an eye that was cast upon me. It was my mum. We call her hawk eye. 
if there was something that was going wrong, man, if you made contact with that eye, it was over. She would guide us with that eye and sit us right down and she would move. And if she needed to get our attention, she would, <clears throat> she would clear her throat. If she cleared her throat, you knew this, you could feel that eye piercing through the back of your head because it was staring you out. And that eye was saying, son, I brought you into this world and son, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That evil eye. It wasn't evil, though. But unfortunately, today in the church, there's an evil eye. There's an eye that people are looking with judgmentalism. They're looking to say, oh, I'm better than you. Oh, who do you think you are? Why would you come to church dressed? You wear a hat? What's all the business? That evil eye, that religious spirit that can be all around us. Those who think they know best, those who think they're more holy than you, and they like to point out everything that you're not doing right. Paul is saying, come on, don't be stupid. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for what man is trying to put on top of you because there's a message in here that you must see. For the meaning, read on, of Christ Jesus' death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. He's saying, I've painted a picture to you. I've tried to make it as clear as you possibly can. The meaning of the cross. Paul himself wasn't there at the cross. He wasn't privy to seeing it with his own eyes. He had been told it, but yet it was an experience that he had embraced and he grabbed a hold of. And now he has shared that. And he goes on to say, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Were you perfected by the flesh? Was it your own human efforts is what he's saying? Of course not. One translation says, certainly not. He said, you received the Spirit because you believed the message that you heard about Christ. Freedom in Christ. The true gospel. Not by your own efforts. Catch it again. Because that will never be good enough. But through Christ. Verse 3. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit. A relationship now with God. Why are you now trying to become perfect. By your own human efforts. Come on. What is the gospel message. That we need to see. What is the gospel message that Paul is teaching them. That's what we need to discover today because every week we're asking a question. The first week we asked the question, how can I be more Christ-like? Remember that? Last week we asked the question, how can I stop from going back? Well, this week we're going to ask the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? I wonder if we can really present the gospel, the true gospel to those around us. Because we need to know the gospel so we can tell other people. Because I'm telling you right now, a lot of gospels out there ain't the gospel of Christ. And when people come to you and say, if that's Christians, I look at them and say, man, I don't want to serve a God like that either. Because that's not the true gospel. But can I share with you what the true gospel is? And we want to share with you, is that okay? The true gospel, God's grace today. So every one of us will know the gospel, what we can tell and we can take the gospel. So here it is, through sin. Man had a problem. 
Because of sin, man was royally screwed up. They, they had no answer to that. There was separation that was caused. There was a major problem. Because even one sin made man a sinner. Just one sin made man a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short. That fallen short, it doesn't mean you just almost make it. It's such a gap. It's such a gulf that you ain't even close to making it. Because of your sin, there is such a separation. But what is the separation from? The glory of God. So that means this, man could not stand in the presence of God in sin. One sin would separate. Man could not stand in the presence of God if there were only one sin in his life. And that creates a big problem. Because you've got to understand that you were created to be in fellowship with God. You were created in His image and likeness for a reason. God wanted to be in relationship with you. Let me say that again. Everything else was created as an animal. It was created as a tree. It was created as a mountain. It was created as a cloud. God looked at all those things and said it's good. But you know what he said was real good when he looked upon you because it was like a mirror image of himself. Because he created you and I in his image for what reason? He wants to hang out with us. The Bible doesn't say that God walked with the giraffes in the day. The Bible says that God came to walk with man, his created being. The one he breathed life into. The one he wants to be connected with. But there's a problem because now sin separates. Causes a problem. And you've got to understand this. God didn't want to walk with them in the cool of the day as God. God wanted to walk with them in the cool of the day as Father. And so many of us have a misinterpretation of God as a Father because of the earthly Father example that we have seen. So we're like, man, if that's what a Father is, I don't want God. But I'm telling you, he is a true father, a true father that will never let you down and will never forsake you. So sin's problem had to have a solution. How do we deal with the sin separation? How do we get to God? How could man once again get back to God? Romans 6 verse 8, for the wages of our sin, the payday is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we get to God? I'm so glad we don't have to get to God that He came to us. That He sent His Son to this earth to come and to pay the penalty of sin that we owed. The penalty that I owed. In other words, we deserve to die because of our sin. But a sacrifice was given. A life, the life, Christ Jesus was sacrificed and given in your place. Jesus stepped in and paid the penalty for your sin, for my sin. He took my place. He paid the bill. Today we're talking about God's grace and that's where we see it at work. We see it that he stepped in to pay the price. But you know what? Unfortunately for many of us, we don't grasp that. And you want to know what hell is? Oh, it's a place of burning fire. Yeah, sure is. But you know what hell really is? It's a place where people go who want to pay for their own sins. Because he paid the price. I said he paid the price once and for all. 
So if you're trying to pay that price, that's where you're going to find. You don't have to go to hell. You can't pay the price. So the gospel message is this. He paid the price for you. Galatians 3 verse 10. Read on. For me, who rely on the works of the law, are under a curse. I can put my life under a curse. I'm not cursed by God, but I'm under a curse by my own doing. I'm placing myself under that curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do Everything, say with me, everything, everything written in the book of the law. That's from Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is the person who doesn't fulfill the law to the letter. To do everything. Look at me today. You cannot do that. You cannot fulfill all of the law. So guess what? You're cursed. Because it only takes one wrong. To be all wrong. James 2 verse 10 says this. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So here's the gospel message, part one. Are you ready? The law could not be obeyed. It's not something that man, that we could ever obey to do enough, to be enough, because one sin made us a sinner before God. And I'm not just talking about following the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about your life right now. You cannot read enough Bible. You cannot pay enough tithes. You cannot pray long enough. You cannot go to church enough to justify your life and to pay the price. Are those things important? Should we do those things? Yes. But they are not the cure for sin. And they will not pay the price. Galatians 3.19 going on. Why? Then was the law given at all? Have you ever felt like that? Well, what was the purpose? I mean, God, I mean, if we couldn't fulfill it, if we couldn't do it, then why did you give it to us in the first time? That's a good question right there. Why did God give them something he knew they couldn't fully obey? Read on. It says it was added because of their transgressions. In other words, because of their sin. God gave the law in their rebellion, not in their promise, but in their rebellion, in their Sin. It was given to man in their sin to show them that their way will never be the right way. It was given for this reason to show mankind that we have a need for a savior. We have to be saved. Every one of us has to have a savior. But we needed to know first that we couldn't do it on our own. So what? That we would never be good enough. And that whet the appetite for us to desire God. God, I cannot do this. I am tired. Maybe you're sitting here today and say, I'm tired of not doing and not being. That's because it's not what you need to do. It's because of what he already has done. And you need a savior and you need to place your faith in him. Read on verse 24. So the Lord was the law was our guardian. It was our tutor. It was put in charge until Christ came that now we may be justified by faith. Let me read that verse from the New Living Translation. It says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. 
So here's part two of the gospel. Are you ready? It was to lead us to Christ. The purpose of the law was to lead mankind to Christ. It could not be obeyed, but it could bring us to him. The gospel message. Why? Because remember, we talked about this last week. What would ever be enough? What's enough? Nothing is ever enough. So it's not in doing the stuff, but it's in Christ. It's in Christ. The gospel message is this, that when you find him, everything changes. A miracle happens inside of you. You're not who you used to be. Come on, I said you're not who you used to be. There's a miracle. Something takes place inside of you as you just say, God, I cannot do it. I cannot be the father. I cannot be the person. I cannot do this any longer. And all of a sudden, a miracle happens inside of you because there's a transformation that takes place. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not in the law, in what I do, but in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. They are dead. They are gone. And behold, all things have become new. Man, I'm trying not to preach. I'm sorry. I'm trying to teach this today because we need to get through this. But a new creation, you're a new person. You're not the same person you used to be. And God still hasn't finished with you yet. You're a work in progress. But what you've got to understand is this. Being in Christ, being a Christian is not a learned behavior. Well, I'm just going to pray this way and I'm going to do this. and that, That's not what being in Christ is. Being in Christ is a transformation. Not something that you can do, but only what Christ can do inside of you. Galatians 3.25 And now that the way of faith has come, Jesus came, we no longer need the law as our guardian. We no longer need the law. You see, here's what you've got to understand. Christianity does not ask me to do right. It makes me right. Come on, you got to get that. I think half of you get that today. A lot of people think Christianity is a set of rules and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. You're looking at the wrong motivation because that's not what it's about. It makes me right. So no longer, I don't want those things anymore. I don't want to be a part of those things. It's not that I want to do them. I'm a different person. I'm changed. I'm different from the inside out. It's not through my actions, but it's through surrendering to Him. Then the grace of God can come and change me from the inside. I thank God for the grace of God because it changes me from the inside out. If I was to ask every one of you today, what is grace? 90% of you would probably say this, unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. It's being given something by God that I don't deserve. And that's true. But that's only half truth. What do you mean half truth? Because that's just one dimension of grace. That's what grace is. 
It's an unmerited favor that I don't deserve, but there's another dimension to grace that we have to step into, and that is what it does. What does grace do? It gives me another chance, but it enables me to live a victorious life. I don't have to stumble through my life any longer. I can die to the past and grace can give me the opportunity. It's like Popeye's spinach. Anyone remember Popeye? When he took that spinach and all of a sudden the muscles came out. That's what the grace of God wants to do. It wants to come upon your life to give you the strength to say no to drugs, to give you the strength to say no to pornography, to give you the strength to say, I don't belong there any longer. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I'm trying hard to teach this today. I'm sorry. What it is, what it does. What it is, what it does. But it's something you must experience. You've got to experience this for yourself because we cannot stand up here every week and say, you don't need to do this. I can't believe you did that. That, that. that would drive me crazy if I had to be your spiritual police every day and every second. That's why I'm not on Facebook because some of you would drive me crazy. You need to experience the grace of God because then you won't have to be policed by someone else because there'll be a witness inside of your spirit and it will say, I don't need to act like that no more. I don't need to talk like that. I don't need to go there anymore. And it's not because of me, but it's because of the miracle of the gospel that wants to come inside of me. Come on, say with me, the grace of God. The grace of God. I'm going to talk about the grace of God. I'm going to use an acrostic today. Is that cool? An acrostic to say the grace of God. G-R-A-C-E. Point number one. Grace is a free gift. That's the G. Free gift. Gift, gift, gift. I'm not trying to be repetitious. But you know, they say repetition is the best form of learning. You cannot earn it. You cannot do it. But God wants to make you. It's not in doing it. It's what he does inside of you as he makes you anew from the inside out. Grace is the greatest gift that has ever been given to anyone in this world. Romans 6.23 paints again the picture. The wages of my sin is death. But the gift, the free gift that God offers to me is eternal life in Jesus Christ through Jesus. But you've got to understand this. Grace doesn't just let me off the hook. Grace doesn't say, well, hey, bam, I'll just cancel all of those sins. Because grace did not exclude my sins. They still had to be paid for. <laughs> That's the gospel message, remember? So who paid for them? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on a cross, took your place and stepped in. And look at this. He freely gave it to you. It's freely given to you, but it came at a huge cost to him. It cost him everything. I said it cost him everything, but that's how much he loved you. You know, if you've been in church for a while, we, we kind of say things like this. Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus died for my sins. And we should be. And I'm not trying to belittle that. 
but yet it becomes belittled in our mind. We forget the awesome price that he did pay. I say we forget the beating that he took, the persecution he took. He was despised and rejected, the agony. We forget all of those things and he would have done it just for us. And we just say, oh, thank you, God, for dying for my sins. We forget what Jesus did. We forget what the father had to go through to see his son. How he had to turn his head and that's why Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? When Brittany was about four or five years of age, I remember we were playing in our living room one day. Hannah was just a little munchkin then. She was about a few weeks, months old. Brittany and I were playing and I was laying on the floor and she was kind of jumping over my knees and then she would grab my hands and you know how you hold them and she kind of leans back and then you kind of just let go of them and then they kind of stumble and they thought it was great. Well, she kind of pulled a little bit too hard and when I let go, she stumbled and she hit the TV dresser kind of thing, whatever you call it, that the TV was on. Right just here in the back of her head and split her head open. And of course, you feel absolutely awful, but we're off to the hospital. In the hospital ER, they came in to stitch her up. And they said to me, we need you to hold her. Probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do in my life. Why? Because when I'm holding her, So they can staple her and they can sew her up. She is looking at me in my eyes. And she is screaming, going, Daddy, help me. Help me, Daddy. And everything inside of me wants to say, stop, don't hurt her any longer. But you know, I knew that they had to do what they had to do in order for healing to come. God was looking at His Son and Jesus was crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? And God wanted to jump in and say, don't do it no more. But He realized that my healing, that my sin, that my shame had to be paid for. And the only way it could be paid for was by the perfect sacrifice and willingly... He gave his son. Come on, parents, you know you would step in for your kids, wouldn't you? Anytime. Let me take the pain. Let me take the sickness. I don't want to see you suffer. But God couldn't. He had to allow it to happen to bring about our redemption. Come on, can you just thank God for that right now? Can you just thank him for that? Come on, Jesus. Grace is a free gift. Grace is received. By faith. Grace is received by faith. Here's what you've got to understand about faith. Are you ready? Faith is not a belief in. Faith is a trust in. It's not a belief. Faith is not a belief system. Did you know that the devil and the demons believe in God? If you don't, look at this. James 2.19. You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. You think the demons are going to be in heaven? No, they're not. But they believe. I said, but they believe. You see, faith is not a belief. Faith is a trust. Faith is trusting. It's giving your life. That's a big step that a lot of people can't make. Because, wow, I just talked with someone this week. He said to me, I've done some really bad things. 
And I just cannot believe that God would forgive someone like me. I said, well, I'm telling you right now, I'm the same way. And you've just got to come to a place in your understanding where you will never understand that because you will never figure out why he should love someone like you. You you will never figure that out. But what have you got to do? You've got to say, I believe he does. And you've got to have faith in that. You've got to step into that. Instead of doubting God by what you don't know, step into what you do know and trust Him that He will never leave you or forsake you. You've got to accept that. It's a step. It's a trust. It's just like if I was to fall and someone was there. I've just got to trust. That's faith. Because if I can believe it and figure it all out, it's not faith. Because I don't need God because I've got it taken care of. Faith is God. I don't know, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not of your works, lest you could boast and take credit from it. Romans 4, 16. So the promise is received by faith and it is given to us as a free gift. You've you got to jump into it. You've got, you got to take the step. That's why a lot of people don't experience Christ because they don't take that faith step. You've got to step out. You've you got to take that. I can't take it for you. But in order for that miracle to happen inside of you, you've you got to step into it. I like what Pastor Pete said. Pastor Pete said when Molly led him to the Lord, he said I was so ignorant in everything and he said God, I believe everything about you. I trust everything about you and God completely changed his life. Because he took a step. People want to say, well, that's a blind step. Oh my God, take that step and your eyes will be open more than you will ever realize. You're only blind if you're not taking that step. <laughs> You've got to jump into it. It's not in your head. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to go from learning to experience. We've got a fussy eater in our house. Her name is Molly. Molly is one of those people that eats very few things. And when you try to give her something new, she'll say to you these words, I don't like it. Have you ever tried it? No. But I don't like it. That's how many of us are with Christ. We have never tried it, but we've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll never know what it tastes until you try it. And this is what I say to Molly. If you don't like it, you never have to eat it again, but you may love it. <laughs> Number three, grace is <clears throat> available, available to anyone. I, I said it's available to anyone. No one's excluded. Listen to this story. I love this story. It said there was a party that was happening at our house and we were hosting at our 17th century farmhouse in the countryside of England. We didn't have enough parking space for everyone on our land, so we parked our guests on a spare ground across a narrow country lane opposite our home. It was dark and cold. One member of our church named Robbie went out in the lane waving guests into the parking lot area using a flashlight to direct the traffic. When all the guests had gathered in the house and Robbie had come in from the cold, I asked him, how did everything go? Was it smoothly? Did you get all the cars parked? He replied, everything was fine except for one lady. 
She was driving up the lane and he had mistakenly waved her into the parking area. Assuming she was a party guest, Robbie saw her headlights and simply waved her in. Only when he approached the car to open the door, the distressed lady shouted from her window, Who are you and why have you brought me here? Realizing his mistake, Robbie apologized and waved her back out to the road. The moment that Robbie told me that story, God spoke to me and said, I want, you, I want you to build that same mentality in our church. I replied, Lord, what mentality? The mentality that assumes that everyone is coming to our party. Come on, we're waving them in. I said we're waving them in. We're waving them in. We want to create an atmosphere here where everyone's welcome. There's no background checks at the door. I said, there's no background checks at the door. There's only love. There's only love. Listen, when we built the smoking area outside, there were some people who were disgusted with that. They were disgusted by it. They said, man, I I just don't believe. How how dare people come and, and, and smoke just right around the church? They had that evil eye. I just want you to know something. We have a problem if everyone looks like us. We're not creating a place for people to stay the same. Come on, we're creating a space and a place for them to come so God can change them. Everyone's welcome here. Everyone's welcome here. Because our vision statement is life starts through knowing Jesus. So what do we do? Here's our vision. We want to create weekend worship experiences for both the unchurched and for believers to come. And that they will love to attend. We say this a lot in our church. You can belong before you believe. You can be part of a family. We pray that you'll believe. We pray that you'll have that faith step and that miracle will happen. But if you just want to belong in a family for now, that's good for us. Because we want to lead you in the way of God. And we pray today is the day where God touches your life. And if not, we're going to be back again next week. And the week after. And then the week after that. Remember Jesus with the lady caught in the act of adultery? Jesus said to her, where are all your accusers? He had written in the sand. He said, he is without sin. and All of them left. He gets up and looks and said, where's all your accusers? She says, there's no one save you. Jesus looked at her and he says, neither do I condemn you. But what's really important is next. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Jesus accepted her as she was. But he loved her enough to not leave her the same. And that's what we've got to understand. The acceptance is everyone's welcome here, but we love you enough to tell you the truth of God's message. I heard a great story from a pastor this week. And and he told the story about how someone was gay, had been coming to his church. And he met the pastor one day and he says, I'm gay. Am I welcome here? And the pastor said, sure, sure. You sure are welcome. Of course you're welcome here. And then the man proceeded to say to him, but I was born that way. And the pastor looked at him and says, me too. He said, I was born in greed. I was born in lust. Come on, I was born a liar. I I was born in sin too. But I'm so glad that I came and found a place that let me come just as I am and then allow Jesus to do the work inside of me. Come on, don't do the work that the Holy Spirit can do. 
Wave them in. Wave them in. Wave them in. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Why? Because grace is available to everyone. So what is it? Everyone come. But notice this. And, and, and. It's not just about coming. But and. Let Jesus do his work inside of you. That's grace. You can come, but you don't have to stay as you are because Jesus wants to do a work inside of you. Romans 10 verse 3, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. That's God's standard. Call on him. Come to him. Then what? You'll be saved. What is salvation? Letting God do his work. I said salvation is letting God do His work. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of grace. And no one will ever love you like Jesus. And until you cross that line of faith, you will never fully understand that and embrace that. Man, I've got to preach. I've got to end this. Sorry. Number four, almost there. C, C, C. Grace comes only through Christ. But pastor, that's so narrow-minded. Well, it's truth. I, I, can't, I can't apologize for that. I'm glad that there's a way instead of I'm having to chase 10 different ways. Uh, give me one option. That's good for me. Thank you. I'll take that. Thank you very much. But think about this, would you, for a second? What separates Jesus from every God of religion? Every religion has a God. What separates Jesus from every other God? Here's what separates him. He was the only one who died to solve the problem. Listen to me. He was the only one who dealt with the problem of sin through giving his life and died in your place. Every one of those gods died, but they did not die to take your sin. And they did not die to... No other gods claim that. Search every religion. They don't claim to die for your sins. But Jesus did. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we may be saved. God's gift of grace gives to you what no one else has done for you. No one else is lining up to pay for your sins. No one else is offering to say, I'll take your place. But he did. He did. It's only through Christ. And lastly, today, band, you can come back. Grace is extended through eternity. I'm so thankful for grace. Because God's grace paid the price for my sins. Past tense, present tense, and future tense. Let me say that one more time. God's grace paid my sins. Past tense, present tense, and future tense. John 3.16, God so loved the world. That he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's not just life in heaven. God wants us to have life here on this earth too. God wants us to live in life here too. When you start mentioning grace, past, present and future, that's not giving you a license to sin. That's not saying, oh, you can live however you want because God's grace is there. That's a wrong doctrine that's out there, I'm telling you right now. Once saved, always saved, I believe, is a demonic doctrine that is crippling the church and people in the church because it's not a license that I can live however and I cannot lose my salvation. 
Because remember, grace doesn't let me off the hook. But it's now changing my motivation for what I do. Because now I'm doing it because I love him. Not because I have to. So grace, what is it? What does it do? Here's what does it do. Here's the second dimension of grace. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Well then, should we keep on sinning? That God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You see, God's grace is presented to us so a miracle can happen inside of us. What are you talking about? A God moment that wants to happen inside of you. One last scripture that's going to lead us into next week. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be powerful in the week after. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God has appeared. It, what? The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright and godly life in this present age. Some people say, well, when the Bible was written, they didn't know what was going to happen. God knew exactly what's going to happen because he knows our end from the beginning. And God says, my grace is sufficient right now in this present age that you don't have to stumble, that you don't have to fall, that you don't have to go back, that you don't have to eat from the wrong tree, but you can partake in life. Why? Because God's grace is the power that you and I need. It's the forgiveness that we need, but it's the power that we need to live a godly life because grace changes us from the inside out. One last statement today and then we're going to pray. Here's what grace is. Grace is when you ought to do becomes what you want to do. What an incredible picture of grace. When you know you should do that, but you know you can't do that without Him. But now it becomes what you want to do because of His grace and forgiveness inside of you. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? God's grace. God's grace. Someone once did another acrostic of grace and it said this, God's riches at Christ's expense. The richness of Christ at God's expense. At Christ's expense. That's grace. That's grace. I wonder today... Who needs that grace of God in your life? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. We need that grace, not just the unmerited favor, what I don't deserve. But we need that power to help us to live a victorious life. Come on, as every head is bowed, who would lift up their hand and say, Pastor, I need God's grace today. I need his grace. I need his grace. I need his grace. Keep those hands up all over this place. I need God's grace. I need that power. I need that. I need that. 